everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Wolfpacker Show. I'm Matt Carter, joined by Ethan McDowell, as always. And we're going to be deep dive into NC State football. Time to really start talking NC State football. Big picture for this season as we're one week away from kickoff next week at this time. Ethan McDowell will hopefully be safely in the vicinity of uh, East Hartford, Connecticut, which is where the game is technically being played. And we'll get our first look at the uh, NC State offense, which we're about to talk a lot about. But before we do that, let's get a few housekeeping items out of the way. Um, Please, uh, wherever you may listen, uh, download uh, the podcast and these episodes. Please give us a a good review if you don't mind. Rate us. um, Leave a comment if you want. Uh, You can also follow us on YouTube where this podcast will be also uploaded. And you can watch the episode if that's your preferred mode. Uh, We've gone over 2,000 followers on uh, YouTube, which is awesome. We definitely appreciate that. You can get us at The Wolfpacker, which is the same handle you can use for our Twitter or our Facebook or our Instagram accounts as well. We're everywhere. You may be on social media. So um, please check us out at those places. Also, we are running a, a big flash sale at On3, half off for a year. So listen, that means you get all of this year's football coverage, all of this year's basketball coverage, all of the coverage of the December signing day, all of the coverage of their basketball silly season and transfer portal stuff in, in March and April, all of the coverage of the hot summer recruiting months in football for half price. Get all of that for half off if you take advantage of this deal now. So um, you might as well give it a try. And right now, Realignment, ACC, about to get some new members, perhaps, probably, looking that way. Kind of went over that on the message board today in a premium chat. So go check it out and and, and see what we're hearing on that regard. Um, last but not least, let me uh, give a shout out to our sponsor, RogueShop.com. That's R-O-G as in girl, U-E-S as in Sam, H-O-P as in Paul.com. They have all your natural cannabis needs. They are safe, legal products that are natural supplements and may be able to help you out with uh, chronic anxiety, or excuse me, chronic pain, or maybe some anxiety issues, or you're having some sleep deprivation, or you know, just need to calm down a little bit, and you, you've tried different things, and they're not working, it might be a good thing to try. And this is a small company. It's a husband and wife-led outfit. They have a live chat feature on their website to answer your question, point you in the right direction. They're also on our message board where they have interacted with some of our subscribers in the past to help you out with uh, what you might need there as well. They'll occasionally run some promos on the website as well. So uh, give them a check out and support rogueshop.com. So, Ethan, I think a lot of people are curious about NC State football right now. This is the time of the year where the excitement builds, happens every year. It's understandable. Even the glass half-empty people start to end more towards glass half-full. A lot of excitement, a lot of buzz, et cetera, et cetera. I happen to think a lot of this may be a little bit justified this year. Um, I think things seem to be coming together pretty well for NC State. But just the vibe you picked up. Training camp is now over. Preseason camp is not over. Uh, it's now over, I should say. Not over. It's now over. Um, what the vibe you picked up and the sense you're getting from being around uh, camp all these weeks? You know, it's it's funny. This is my second season on the beat. Um, it's so much different than last year just in terms of every press conference we went to, whether it was ACC media days, um, the first couple practices of fall camp, the, the start of game week for that ECU game, every question, and you can attest this, was about expectations, 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 asking Weary, Coach Dorn, everybody about it. Um, and by the time it got there, um, I think there was just an overwhelming, like, oh, my God, can football please start <laughs> sentiment around the program, around, I think, even the media. 
Um, this year, you know, you know, I've, I've enjoyed the preseason speculation. I've enjoyed the excitement building. And um, I think we started to hear around the spring a little rumblings of optimism. And I'll be honest, it has surprised me how forthcoming NC State's players and coaches have been with their own optimism for this season. That the multiple players have doubled down on. They just don't see there being like that much of a drop off defensively this year, which like, shoot, that defense last year was lights out. If they can improve on that, then you're Mm -hmm. talking one of, if not the best defense in the country. So it's, you know, they're setting the bar high for themselves. Um, But, but going off of that, it's like, it's still not as high as um, it was last year. So there's still, kind of the underdog feeling, the underdog vibe around the program, especially when you look at preseason polls, NC State's not getting that much respect. Um, and I think the team's going to feed off of that. I think they love that. I think Coach Doran loves to have that kind of underdog attitude with his teams. And uh, there's a lot of – there's an excitement and motivation with this program that um, really intrigues me going into the fall. And um, there's a few more fun position battles that we don't know what's going to happen, but most of the depth chart is getting sorted out right now. And um, it's exciting. One week from today. Let's go. <laughs> Let's start with the defense. Cause that's, that's kind of what I'm curious about. Well, look, everybody's much more curious about the offense, but we're going to spend a lot more time on the offense. Um, you mentioned there's a, there's a feeling of no drop off. You know, and that's part of that. I think it comes from Tony Gibson, defensive coordinator for NC State, I think fourth season, a defensive coordinator of NC State. You know, in year one and 2020 for Tony Gibson, you started to see that defense come together. And by the end of the year, um, they were the reason that NC State handed a pretty good Liberty team with an NFL quarterback as only loss of the year and really shut down Liberty like nobody had shut down Liberty all season long. And you saw that translate forward into 2021 when they became a top 20 defense in the country. You know, held Clemson to 14 points. I bet that was a poor Clemson offense in regulation, win that game in double overtime, and really, you know, survived despite a huge rash of injuries on defense. And then last year, healthier, much more consistent, and really was a dominant defense. You lost a lot of big players from that defense. It's been well documented. Tanner Engel right now is trying to make the Rams roster. Tyler Baker-Williams is trying to make the Chargers roster. Corey Durden trying to make the Lions roster. Drake Thomas is trying to make the um, Raiders roster. Uh, Isaiah Moore would be trying to make the Kansas City Chiefs roster had he not gotten hurt in training. That's five NFL-caliber starting defenders um, that left the team, and not to mention Cyrus Fagan as well. That's a sixth starter. So... Um, Tony Gibson's track record is impressive. And you and I both sat there and talked to Tony Gibson where he bluntly said, I don't accept reduced expectations. I don't accept that. We, we come in every year with an expectation of being great. I'm of the mindset, I think this defense can be good. But to not expect a small drop-off would be unrealistic given all those losses. Are you buying the notion that the that you know, you talked to Peyton Wilson, who said, "All due respect to our linebackers last year, we're faster this year." You're hearing Tony Gibson say, "Best defensive line he's had at NC State." We do know they have two excellent corners, and we've heard them talk very well about the depth at, at, in the secondary. Are you buying that there won't be a drop off, or are you like kind of like me, where still going to be very good, but maybe unrealistic, and I expect a little bit of a of a drop-off. So you mentioned it. The word we keep hearing is speed, speed, and speed, right? Everyone's saying this defense is faster. Um, And, you know, I think that's going to lead to a little more, maybe a few more sacks, maybe a few more forced turnovers. Um, The main thing that I think is going to make this defense maybe a little worse is I think it would be a little foolish to think that this team will be as good as of a tackling team as last year. You had Tanner Engel, who, I mean, are there many better tackling safeties in the country as far as meeting a guy in the gap and bringing down running backs and 
plugging holes. And, you know, Isaiah Moore and Drake Thomas, very sound um, tacklers as well. Um, so you're plugging in more, um, not even inexperienced guys. These these are guys like um, Jakeen Harris and Devin Boykin who have plenty of experience. But um, I just think we ha- NC State had some of the uh, most talented tacklers in the conference last year. And um, while everyone might be flying around a little more faster, maybe that leads to a couple more broken tackles, a little more um, big plays by the opposing defense. But um, I do think it's interesting that you're looking at you can expect, I think, at least a push from cornerbacks with Aiden White and Shaheen Battle. Um, they're going to be great. I think they both have a shot to be all ACC caliber cornerbacks. Um, it's really just how the depth chart fills in behind them. Um, that'll decide the uh, floor of that group. While um, And then safeties, shoot, um, Boykin and Harris, uh, they, we've seen them play a lot of football. Um, Boykin... Um, had one of the most impressive plays of last year when he intercepted that pass against Florida State that um, he broke down afterwards where he read the defense perfectly. He called back there earlier in the game. So I'm a huge fan of his. I think he's going to do great. Um, Robert Kennedy is um, just kind of a bit of an unknown for us over at Nickel. I'm, um, and then so is the rest of the kind of the depth chart behind him with Cecil Powell and um, – Gosh, I can't remember the um, third name at nickel right now. I think it's Darius Edmondson. It is, yes. So with those three, that's a little bit of a mystery position after um, being very comfortable there for years with Tyler Baker-Williams. He was one of the best nickels in the nation. So then you – I mean, you look at the defensive line and it's worth getting excited about. I mean, you have Davin Van who is – I don't think his teammates could praise him more. They love – Davin and he just got named team captain he obviously has their respect and then you have guys like Savion Jackson and CJ Clark who have produced at a high level for years so it's going to be exciting to see them and then the linebackers Peyton Wilson is going to be one of the best linebackers in the conference um Devon Betty uh, I really liked what we saw out of him at the end of the UNC game I thought he um made it a pretty minimal drop-off from Isaiah Moore when he had to leave the game for a few snaps. And then um, Jalen Scott has um, stood out during fall camp, and apparently he's had a really good camp, so that's good to see. And um, then you have Caden Fordham to round out that group. So, yeah, just there were not a lot of names out there, but um, overall pretty pretty optimistic, pretty bullish. Um, I'm definitely not expecting a drastic step forward because, I mean – there's I'm not hard to be better than you're pretty close to the ceiling as far as last year's defense goes. So yeah. What, what about you? What, what are you, what are you thinking? Um, where do you see this defense kind of projecting um, maybe compared to the other ACC teams? Good question. For the close, I probably hadn't studied the rest of the ACC enough to, to kind of get an understanding. I, I will say this. I think we probably can't make enough of the fact that it is a veteran duo at corner that is all ACC caliber on both sides. And on one side in particular with Aiden White, high NFL draft pick potential. I mean, I don't, I really don't think it's out of the question with a great year. He could be an all American candidate. Absolutely. So most colleges would love to have a, a one Shaheen battle. NC State has one Shaheen battle and one Aiden White. And, that if healthy could that really could be a lockdown to a corner and then that allows you to do so much defensively right when you have two guys you trust to defend the outside receivers it changes what you can do defensively and i don't think that can be understated enough which is one of the reasons why i could see this defense you know holding serve with what the last couple of years has done and you also added the defensive line. Now, I'm curious how – I mean, this is a three-man front, so, you know, it's more about gap protection and holding the line um, with the backup of linebackers and safety coming in to fill the gaps and, and apply the pr- pressure and create the disruptions. As it it stated a very uh, multiple blitzing defense. Uh, so – I hear the talk about the defensive line, but I wonder how much fans are going to see that. Like, I, I, if, that, if that makes sense. 
it's a yes, I think Davin Van's gonna be great from everything that everybody has talked about. But maybe the fans don't appreciate what that means. That where the defensive coaches know what that means because that might mean Jalen Scott and Peyton Wilson coming off the um, at the uh, weak and strong side linebacker positions are getting in a place where they can make plays. Um, and if you can get individually created disruption from the defensive line, that's great. That, that's cherry on yeah. the top. Um, and it's probably worth stressing for um, Wolfpack fans that after hearing um, Gibson's declaration yesterday that this might be the best um, defensive lineman, line he's ever coached, um, it's important to like not get hung up on if we're through the uh, UVA game and the stats aren't like popping off the board for Davin Van or something. Um, his all ACC like standout performance might be re- more reflected in the fact that Devon Betty has three sacks at that right. point, right? right? Yeah. So it's important to keep that in mind that a lot of the defensive line's job, like you mentioned, is to um, set up the playmaking chances for um, the uh, the linebackers in secondary. We're going to go into some categories and make some predictions here in a second. But one last question on the defense. What's your concern? I'd say um, right now it's probably linebacker depth. Yeah. Um, I think we know four names that the staff feels pretty good about right now. Um, like we, we mentioned all of them, Caden, Devon, Jalen, and Peyton. Beyond that, it's a big question mark. In the past you've had like five or six linebackers, which is, which I should say is a total anomaly that have had um, legitimate power five starting experience. That's not normal. Um, But now NC State's in a spot where we don't know that much about the reserve linebackers. And um, so we're kind of banking on, they've got talent in the room. They have some former four-star guys who are upperclassmen now and super talented, like a, a Jordan Poole, um, folks like that who it'll be interesting to see how they develop. There's been, but then, you know, I'd say the guy we've heard the most positive buzz about is probably Kamal Bonner, the true freshman. Mm-hmm. So um, that's interesting. Um, I really liked him as a prospect. So it, it, if he carves out a role as a freshman, that'll be interesting to see. Um, I think Wolfpack fans will like him. He um, has converted um, safety and he hits really hard. So <laughs> he's, he's a fun player to watch. I agree with your linebacker depth. And, and that, the reason that concern becomes even enhanced is that's probably one of the more common injury plays on the defense. It's yeah. Because of the nature of the physicality of the position. When you're, you're talking about a Peyton Wilson who, you know, if you're an NC State fan, you're knocking on wood. But he has had multiple seasons lost to injuries in his career. Um, so, you know, the good news is that you heard a lot of positive about Jalen Scott, and I do want to mention that just because, you know, I kind of wanted going into out of spring where they kind of, you know, Jalen Scott's reliable, he can hold down the position, but man, Caden Fordham, the potential playmaker, you know, I kind of, you kind of wondered if there was like almost a feeling of, can Caden Fordham rise up and take that position? But now you almost get a feeling like, you know what, Jay, it sounds almost like Jalen Scott's been a playmaker. And people have been raving about him, and it's no longer Jalen Scott, the reliable, steady veteran who knows what he's doing. It, it, it as my train's about to come by the office here. So apologies for the uh, the whistling and the horns. Um, it almost sounds like no, Jalen Scott's making plays. It, 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 it's not the reliable, steady, steady Jalen Scott. It's the disruptive Jalen Scott, and that may make a big difference. I think for the defense and, and the depth of the defense as well. But I agree with you. That's probably my one concern. We know NC State's been snake bit with injuries the last couple of years. You know, they've been able to survive that because they've been so deep the last couple of years. Are they going to be deep enough to survive that again, or do they need a little more uh, better luck, which is long overdue, by the way, when it comes to the injury front? On defense, let's um, real quick go over some predictions here. Who will lead NC State in sacks? Oh, Peyton Wilson. I, right. I, I think um, I think he could have a huge year. I'm gonna go. 
even though I just went through a spiel about don't don't pay attention to defensive line stats and yada and yada yada yada. I'm still gonna go with Davin Van. I can see him having like a Daniel Joseph type year where he has mm. six and a half, seven sacks. I I could see where the sacks are maybe a little bit more evenly distributed across the defense this year. So uh, I'm going to go with Davin Van. Tackles. Who will lead NC State in tackles? I think I'm going Peyton Wilson Actually, again. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you on that one. I'll take Peyton Wilson there, too. I don't, I, I don't be surprised if Devon Betty as well. Yeah, he, He's been very productive when he does play. And um, I, Wilson, I mean, last year, I'd say he probably had the um, quietest season out of the three superstar linebackers that NC State had. But he still finished with over 80 tackles. Yeah. Like, and he missed a little bit of time because of injury. So, yeah, basically um, missed two games because it was early against ECU and then he sat mm-hmm. out week two. So, he basically missed two games last year. All right, last category. And, and this one probably could, I mean, you could go with Peyton Wilson again and make it a clean sweep. <laughs> Who leads NC State in interceptions this season? Um, I think I'm going to go with Shaheen Battle because, um, I think he's just as much of a lockdown cornerback as Aiden White, but um, I don't think Aiden White's going to get thrown too much this season. He um, he led the ACC in interceptions um, amongst cornerbacks last year. Aiden White did, but that and I, that's because um, teams like tested him a lot. I thought I thought it was interesting how how much he got thrown to, and Aiden White um, continuously showed them that was a mistake. Um, so I think it's going to be a a big. Um, part of the scouting report to not throw it Aiden as much. And Shaheem, um, I think, will take advantage of those opportunities. I'm actually going to go Peyton Wilson since he didn't go with wow. him. But here's my reason. I'm not so sure teams are going to go outside a lot. Hmm. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of the, trying to funnel it through the interior, through slot receiver, back side of the, running back side of the backfield, um, tight ends. I think you're going to try to see teams trying to see if they can get it between the half marks over the middle with the NC State defense, especially with certain to be some blitzing going on. And um, it wouldn't surprise me if, if, you know, Peyton Wilson, I think, had two or three interceptions in his breakout season yeah. a few years ago. That's just a, just a hunch. I was leaning towards a safety, but, you know, you never know how so handed. Jaquin Hare could have probably led NC State in interceptions in a couple of years, but had, had, had Dimitri consistently catching the interception. He had two last year, though, in his reserve role, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. But, um, and then I wonder if Robert Kennedy could be a sneaky pick there for the reasons you out, outlined. Just yeah. teams are going to have to find some different ways to try to throw at NC State because they're not, you like you said, they're not going to be able to go outside. Yeah, not consistently, likely. I mean, what way they would probably go outside is they're probably looking for a little bit of softer coverage. And so you're mm-hmm. not going to see necessarily downfield deep shots yeah it'd be more like one of those where they run a three or four yard route and a quick throw out to the sideline all right who will be the defensive mvp for this season shouldn't be any surprise i think it's going to be peyton Peyton wilson Wilson. i I, I think um i think uh he'll have an all acc type of year and uh, i think aiden white is going to be even better than last year um I think it's just when you have a true shutdown cornerback, sometimes people don't talk about him as much because they're not getting thrown to. Yeah. But um, if you ask me who's going to be the highest defender selected in the NFL draft, it's Aiden White by a mile. Because I think <laughs> he's going to have a great um, great year. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Peyton Wilson. Hopefully he stays healthy. It just seemed, the stars seem to be aligning for him right now in life. And mm-hmm. as Dave Dorn said on his radio show, uh, he's got a lot of things lined up nicely in his life, and he's in a good spot. So I, I think that, that'll show this uh, this season. Who's going to be the breakout? Now, by, what I mean by breakout is a guy who has not started full-time emerging as a prominent player on the NC State defense. Yeah, I think it's Devon Betty. I mean, I got to start going first because every time I, you're taking all my guys. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but um, yeah. he's it, there's a reason we're both picking him, right? Like mm-hmm. he's um, when we when you when he filled in in starting roles and came in due to injury, he um, the drop off wasn't very apparent if there was one. 
like he, and you look at him, he looks like a, like a power five middle linebacker. He looks like someone who's just going to be able to go in there and, um, you know, fill the role that Isaiah Moore did. So we'll see. And um, yeah, I think he's going to break out, have a ton of tackles and um, going to be a new fan favorite. All right, so you went with him. I go with Trevally Price, who okay. got a lot, a lot of love, and he's part of the reason why they feel pretty good about the defensive line. He's probably the, uh, from what it sounds like, from what we're gathering, the top defensive end reserve uh, up front. So, and, and the way they rotate defensive linemen, that means you're pretty much playing borderline starter snaps. Um, so you're the top number one reserve. So, um, you know, he was close to having a really big record freshman season. I think he led the team or was up there with the among leaders in the defensive line and quarterback pressers mm-hmm. last year, which means he's getting really close to getting some more sacks. Um, and he does have pass rush ability that, that maybe he can individually cause some disruption. Last uh, defensive rookie slash newcomer of the year, and I'm a, I'm going to bend the rules and allow for junior college or major college transfers to be so basically newcomer of the year. I'm going to go first. I'm going to go with Old Dominion. See, I'm trying to beat you to the punch. <laughs> Old Dominion transfer Robert Kennedy, um, just because he's going to probably start, and I don't think any other newcomer will start. So. Um, I'll go with him. Yeah, so you picked the only starter, but I'm still going to go with someone who's going to play a good bit. Um, I think I'm going to go with Rente Hinton, the junior college transfer cornerback. Um, he's someone that the staff identified pretty late in the cycle, but um, when when they saw him, they offered him, and like a day later, we're flying out to see him. And um, they offered – and got him in the class, and he's he's huge. He's a six three cornerback, um, big wingspan, um, fast, and someone that, that I think there's a little bit of excitement around, and he'll be in that two deep at cornerback. And um, and these days in college football, you can never have too many corners. Um, and kind of going off of that, I do want to mention um, Brandon Cisse. He's someone who I also is a true freshman, and I would not be surprised if he's in the um, in the two deep. I think uh, he has. He put together a really good spring, summer, and fall camp after enrolling early. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to crack this defense as a true freshman, but I think um, Brandon has showed enough where he, he's, he's going to get some time this year. All right. Let's, uh, before we move over to the offensive side of the ball, let's, um, let's take some time out to recognize another one of our sponsors. They've been really, really good to the website, and I think they can be really good for you as well. And, um, and to get into it, for instance, to go to Connecticut, to go to that game or watch any other entry state football games, I highly recommend that you download the Game Time app. Now, what Game Time is, is an easy, stress free way to secure your tickets for any event. It doesn't have to be a sporting event. I'm using entry state as an example, but it could be a concert if you're a big, I know the, uh, the Eagles are doing their last tour ever, supposedly, for the 15th time. But if this one really is indeed their last tour, um, you might want to get one of those tickets, for instance. Or I saw where Aerosmith is coming to PNC Arena. I'm showing my age when I mention the uh, various musical acts here. But anyway, go to um, gametime.co. Don't put the M in there. It's gametime.co without the M. It's not a dot .com, just CO. Um, and download the app. I have it on my phone. If you're watching on YouTube, you see my phone. I just hit the Game Time app. And it's pulling up right now. And these are the entry state uh, tickets. And you can see for the Notre Dame game, what's the best deal and what's the lowest price. Now, entry state has sold over 35,000 season tickets. So tickets are sparse this year. Um, but this right here will tell you what the cheapest and best deal right now for a ticket on the market at for the Notre Dame game. And the best thing is, if you haven't downloaded the app, use the promo code WOLFPACK, all capital letters, and you'll get $20 off your first purchase. So, um, so how that Notre Dame game is a hot ticket. There's some pretty healthy ticket prices right now. You could even, um, 
um, game time will guarantee you the cheapest price, right? So they're guaranteeing you the cheapest price, uh, the lowest price, or they will refund you 110%. But not only are they guaranteeing you the lowest price, if you use that promo code Wolfpack, you get $20 off that lowest price. And so it's an easy, stress-free way to make sure you're getting the best deal and best available tickets all the way up to game time. So uh, snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code WOLFPACK, all capital letters, for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code WOLFPACK for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So, uh, with that said, back at it here. Let's talk about the offense. Uh, we'll get into individuals and, and predictions and all that here in a second. But you have any idea what to expect from the offense next Thursday at Connecticut? I think there's a lot of excitement in the unknown right now. I don't think anyone knows what to expect. Um, I know in today's insider chat, you got asked about like how plays are going to be split running and passing. We have no idea. It, it, it makes no use to go back and look at Robert and I's old systems because it changes every year. He tailors it to um, the players he has. Um, that makes me excited. There's a lot of um, good talent on the offense, and I think it just needs to be structured around their strengths. So I think there will probably be a lot of, you know, quick passes, a lot of, I think people will be surprised how much Brennan Armstrong runs in this offense. But um, other than that, you know, I saw somewhere, and I, I apologize that I can't remember where I saw it, that um, at UVA they um, used quick passes almost as a substitute for um, the running game mm-hmm. because they just didn't have much of a rushing attack in um, 2021. And uh, – that worked well for them. And uh, I think NC State's running back room is way better than UVA's that year. But um, that could be something you see uh, if a team starts to stack the box, you start seeing um, quick screens to a Terrell Timmons or a Keon Lassane to get um, four or five yards on first down. Not necessarily plays designed to get 40 yards, but um, you know the, the equivalent of a halfback dive up the middle. You know what um Stood out to me uh, listening to the Dave Dorn radio show. And if you're not a subscriber, I have a very full, in depth recap of just about everything Dave Dorn says. Um, but he mentioned that the explosiveness of the offense is more than he had seen recently from NC State offenses. That they had more explosive plays in that second scrimmage than they had in a long time in the scrimmage. Um, what I also found interesting, is he said, Robert and I definitely had this system, and he definitely has a scheme. And it, you know, Dwayne didn't say this, but we know it. it it's air-raid-based type mm-hmm. scheme. But what Dwayne uh, said and I doesn't do is stick to it like out of stubbornness. And so he, if he's evaluating his receivers and he – see that they can't do maybe a certain thing within the scheme just because it's a scheme. He's not going to keep asking somebody to do something they can't do to try to fit the scheme. Instead, he's going to find out what that player can do and find out how he can use what they can do in his scheme and adjust the scheme so that the players can find a way to contribute rather than just putting somebody on the sideline because he doesn't have the fit for what you're stubbornly trying to do with your X's and O's, if that makes sense. So what he's trying to do is find a way to play players in essence and not trying to find players that just are going to strictly fit his scheme. And it seems simple enough. seems uncomplicated. You would think every offensive coordinator in America would do that, but they don't. Um, A lot of them are very strict to what they do, and you have to fit it. And if you can't, then you won't you won't play, and you're wasting a scholarship basically, right? Well, now you're trying to find a way to get the most use out of your scholarship football players. Um, it's also interesting that Dorn said that Robert and I actually will have a pretty narrow game plan with some curveballs and changeup thrown in to 
keep play keep teams off guard, but it is not a very complicated, vast game plan. It'll be pretty narrow, to, so the players can play fast, know what they're doing, and focus on what um, the plan is for that day. So it, it it's going to be interesting, like you say. Virginia, he did not have running back, and they threw 800 million times Brennan Armstrong last year. And Brennan Armstrong set all kinds of passing records. But last year at Syracuse, he had a running back. His name was Sean Tucker. And Sean Mm -hmm. Tucker ran 206 times for 1,060 yards and 11 touchdowns last year. Yeah, that's, you know, almost 20 carries per game. So he's not afraid to run the football against teams that it was clearly beneficial to run the football. He did. Tucker ran 21 times against Louisville, 27 times against the same UConn team that we're about to play. If you want a hint, uh, 27 times for 112 yards and a touchdown, 21 times against Virginia, 23 times against Wagner, 21 times at Boston College against the team that really defended the run well, Pittsburgh, we know Pitt, great defensive front, right? He didn't force the issue. Ten times, 19 yards for Tucker. Obviously, he went to throwing the football. Um, and she stayed 14 times. He was very, uh, very efficient, 14K, because he ran for 98 yards. But, you know, he was picking his spots of when to run the football because NC State does a great job stopping the run. Clemson, obviously, had a behemoth of a defensive line last year, 5K in that game. Um, and again, very efficient. He picked his spot, ran for 54 yards, had a 23-yard run. So that gives you an example of he's not going to force something in the game plan. He's going to take advantage of what opportunity is there. And that's my long-winded way of saying we don't know what to expect week to week, but that's going to be fun. All right? That's going to be fun, particularly early in the year. You'll, you'll have a better idea, obviously, of the basics from a week to week standpoint. But early in the year, I have no idea. I don't know who's going to be – the playmakers, I don't know what the offense is going to look. We, it seems pretty clear there's a plan to go fast and play with tempo. So it would be interesting to see how that works and how that works with the complementary style of football that Dave Dorn likes with keeping the defense fresh. But I, I agree with you, the excitement of the unknown. And you could tell last night uh, from the Dave Dorn radio show, he's excited, but also a little bit of anxiety that is this all going to work like we think it's going to work? We think this is going to work really, really well. But you don't know until you actually play a game. So I don't know if you had any thoughts about all that, Ethan. I, I rambled on and filibustered there for a while. But um, any any counterpoints or agreeing points you want to make before we move on? I'm I'm totally in um in step with you here. I I agree on all accounts. I think um it's going to make this a very exciting team to watch and a very exciting team to cover, because you know um the leading receiver in week one could be Keon Lasane and in week two it could be um Jordan Houston for all we know, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's going to change constantly, and um I think there's going to be a lot more variance in your week to week um standout players than in past NC State offenses. Um, and which is going to keep, um, you know, defense is guessing and it's going to keep, you know, the team happy. Every, every, everybody eats in this offense, right? Everyone gets a chance to make plays. We, we've heard that from, I don't even know how many players mm-hmm. at this, at this point of just how many, um, how many more opportunities they have to make plays. Um, one of the favorite conversations I had about that this year was I'm talking to Julian Gray because we talked to him last year and he said, like, oh, I can play inside, outside, and um, even in the backfield if I need to. Uh, this year, we talked to him again, and I asked him about that comment, and he said, yeah, this year, I think I'm going to do all of those things. I think I have the opportunities to do mm-hmm. all of that. So someone with, you know, like truly elite speed like Julian, um, you know, he's going to get used in a lot of different ways. It's going to be really exciting. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, ne- ne- the next step is really just seeing what it looks like next Thursday. Um, what's a real before we get into some predictions? Curious of what you think, kind of like a realistic let's say, well, let's go nationally speaking. NC State, mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly where they finished in total yards per game. I'll try to look it up real quick while I ramble on, but it wasn't a, an, an impressive finish last year in yards per game. 
uh, total offense. So give me one second, and I'm almost there. 105th out of 131 teams nationally in yards per game at 339.8. Um, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Boston College were the only teams lower in the ACC. NC State was actually lower than Virginia, which said something because Virginia was not good at all on offense. And um, honestly, that stat, it's actually, you got to remember, they played an FCS game, NC State did, during the season in which they gained 538 yards against Charleston Southern. So against FBS team, that total yard per game actually dropped to 323.3 yards per game. So that dropped, taking that almost 50, over 15 yards off the season total if you remove the one Charleston Southern game. That's my way of setting up the question. What realistic jump could NC State? Because I, I want to cost it. We're all excited about what we're going to see. The unknown factor, the creativity that's been lacking for years out, out, out of the NC State offense. But what realistic jump can we expect? I don't I don't want people to think all the time this is we're advertising that this is going to be a top 20, 25 offense when they were almost a bottom 25 offense a year ago. So what do you think is realistic? Yeah, I think um, what I'm expecting is just kind of getting back to the middle, the middle of the pack in the ACC, jumping past a couple teams. And, um, you know, I think they'll, I think NC State has more pieces than um, Syracuse did last year as a whole. I think, um, so you look at that, that offense from last year, then maybe give them a bump. Um, I think, like you said, it's we're not gonna. It's not like suddenly NC State's gonna have the number one defense and the number three offense in the ACC. That's not gonna happen. Um, and you know, also you have to keep in mind part of that um, game plan from last year, and part of the reason why that yards was so low is because they kept things a little more contained because they had such a good defense and they didn't want to. Um, keep them on the field all the time. So we'll see how much of that happens this season. I think part of the reason of hiring coach and I is that they weren't going to be doing that as much. So we'll see. I think, I think there will be improvement. Um, it'll be a lot more fun to watch, maybe a little more, um, a, a few less drives ending in field goals, a little, some more, you know, red zone opportunities that turn into touchdowns. I think that's, really honestly what held NC State back in a big way. There were games where Chris Dunn was um, single-handedly carrying the team and scoring with like four field goals. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm optimistic. I think there will be a pretty decent jump. I like the guys they brought in. And, um, yeah, what do you say? Where, where are they going to end up? Uh, I'm looking at Syracuse. You brought up a good point. Syracuse went from 94th the year before Robert and I were there, and they did jump to 76th. They just barely missed being top 75. But that's a nice jump of 18 spots for Syracuse. I think a lot of that was kind of early in the season for Syracuse when teams weren't sure what to expect from Robert and I, and they really caught teams like uh, Louisville and Purdue. I remember those two games early in the year where they just kind of really rolled rolled over their team. Well, they didn't roll over Purdue. They rolled over Louisville and then won a kind of a classic shootout against Purdue when Purdue shot itself in the foot mm-hmm. late in that game. Um, and, and then their, their offense did kind of falter now uh, towards the end of the season. I, I don't think, all due respect to Garrett Schrader at Syracuse, I don't think he's the quarterback potential that Brennan Armstrong is. And I think some of that was teams sort of figuring out, okay, yeah, let's go back to having Garrett Schrader beat us. And let's focus on Aronde Gatson, this receiver we'd never heard about until this season. And then he goes from unknown to all ACC in one year. Um, and let's just focus on him and Sean Tucker. Uh, they're two big weapons. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a pretty sizable jump from 94 to 76. I think there's a potential for a little bit more jump within two state. So I'm thinking if you can go from 105 to top 75, that might be a realistic, you know, scenario where things are going well. Yeah, if, if they can climb 30 spots or more in total yardage, shoot, that that'd be great. 
that, that yeah. that's probably if that happens, then NC State's not losing many games. Yeah. This um, it that would still make it kind of a. I mean, if you got a hundred and thirty-one teams, sixty-five would be like the midway point. So you mm-hmm. would still kind of be slightly below, you know, slightly below average in terms of national rankings. I don't know what the median yardage would be, but you know, I think that's kind of what you're looking for. Going from being a really below average offense to an average offense is kind of what you're you're hoping for. I just want to put that out there to kind of create realistic expectations because sometimes when we talk about about excitement, I think people get carried away and think all of a sudden entry state is going to be 45 points per game unstoppable machine and and that's not likely to be the case. I do think you'll see them catch teams early. Mm-hmm. A, the question is going to be the staying power of that once you get past, you know, say Virginia, when you get to the Virginia Louisville back to back ACC Friday night games, how do you, how do you look at those points and move yeah. toward Duke? That'll be and, tough. You know, with Syracuse, you saw that it kind of started to fizzle out once they figured it out. But um, did you go back the year prior and you look at UVA and I don't think teams really did figure figure <laughs> out that offense. Yeah. Armstrong was thrown for 500 yards in ACC play. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Yep. All right, let's get to some predictions here. Uh, I'm going to guess, and so we're just going to move through and both agree, Brennan Armstrong going to lead the team in passing yards. Yep. The only way he doesn't is if there's an injury. Let's move to rushing yards. Obviously, you're thinking it would be either – Jordan Houston or Michael Allen? Do you have a pick between those two, or are you going to go off the board? I'm going to go with Brennan Armstrong. You're going way off the board. Okay. I'm go- I think Brennan Armstrong is going to lead the team in rushing. Um, I He fig- finished with over 500 in 2021 with UVA. I think um, he could be asked to carry a similar workload this year. And then I think most of the reason for that is because um, I think – Jordan Houston, Michael Allen, barring injury, are going to split a workload pretty evenly. And I could see them both ending up all, all around like the 400, 450 rushing yard line, splitting carries pretty evenly. Um, so that, that's where I'm at. I, you know, it's, I, I recognize it's a bold prediction. <laughs> Wanted to do something a little different. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Brendan Armstrong there as a kind of a bold pr- record breaking prediction. Yeah, I'm going to uh, – I'm about too bold for my taste. Um, I'm going to go Jordan – just because I think Jordan Houston has been reliable in terms of yeah. being on the field. Uh, I know that means something to to the coaches. Um, I think I'm going to go Jordan Houston. I think he'll finish somewhere around 600 to 700 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. Michael Allen will be around 400 yards rushing. Brennan Armstrong will be in that ballpark too. I'm curious how well much Brennan Armstrong gets used. I know, I know that we always speculate it, and then you hear from coaches. I'm not going to worry about that. We're just going to let him be, he beat it. But the fans and the media people tend to think, well, you want a redshirt MJ Morris, and if Brennan Armstrong does get hurt, it's MJ Morris, and then an incredible question mark yeah. after that. So, how much are you going to risk? having Brennan run around, it, you know, that would be a logical question. But I, I, what I, my experience has been, the coaches don't tend to worry about that. They, they tend to let their playmakers be who they are and, and not worry about potential loss of injuries and et cetera. So, um, all right, this one could be a little bit more thoughtful here. Who, who leads NC State in receiving or go with receptions? Oh, and catches? Hmm. I think I'll go with um, Lassane. I think he's going to be the uh, – Keon Lassane's going to be the experienced, um, you know, third down guy, just reliable. He's going to get open and, um, you know, just a calming and consistent presence on that offense. I think he's going to catch a lot of passes. Yeah. That was my guess, too. I think it'll be Keon Lassane. You get the feeling that he's become very reliable. Mm-hmm. And we know that Joker Phillips likes to play the reliable older guy that he's more familiar with. 
um, I do think Kevin Concepcion is going to be a rare, prominent freshman. I tend to be more guarded on the freshman, uh, but there's just too much vibe about Concepcion to ignore that he probably won't be. Uh, he probably will be a big piece of the passing game. Um, but I think it's going to be very spread out as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really spread out distribution. Yeah. Um, and I think that partly an eye playing into the strength of maybe I don't have a playmaker, but I have a large cast of receivers I can turn to that can give me something a little different and I can, you know, distribute the ball out in various mm-hmm. ways. So, all right, let's get uh, offensive MVP. Uh, I'm assuming we're both going to go with Brennan Armstrong, but yes. I'm going with Brennan Armstrong. I'm going with Brennan Armstrong as well. Okay. All right. Breakout player. Remember, the requirement, not a full-time starter previously, but somebody who can be a uh, prominent guy this year. I feel like I've been telling everyone who will listen this whole offseason that I think Terrell Timmons Jr. is going to have a breakout year. Um, Just, you know, he he had three catches last year, but all of them were in huge moments and for huge gains, including um, the touchdown against uh, UNC. And I think – I, I really like what he brings to the table as a receiver. He told us yesterday he put on 20 pounds in the offseason. He's up to, um, I believe, over 190. So it'll be interesting to see how he develops and if he takes on a starting role this year. I, if, if, he, um, if we see early in the season he is filling that opposite outside receiver spot with Keon Lassane, then I think he, he's going to have a big year. And I, I'm really excited about what he's going to bring to the receiver group. I'm going to go really off the board, and I would not have said this until last night, but Dave Dorn made it a point to say that the receiver who had a really good preseason camp and made a lot of plays was Jalen Coit. Mm. So if Jalen Coit actually makes plays this year, he's going to be a breakout in it because obviously he has not seen the field much at all Yeah, since being at NC State. Um so I want to say he's a redshirt sophomore, maybe. Or, um, yeah. But, you know, he, he, he's been a guy that apparently has really impressed this fall. And new offense presents new opportunities. It may have been a case of where he didn't really fit necessarily what Tim Beck was doing. Um, but under Robert and I, you know, they have found a role that might fit for him. And it sound, sounded almost like, Coit and Concepcion have really caught the eye that the inside slot receiver, um, which may, you know, and then obviously got Porter Ricks presumably in that mix as well. So, um, so I'm going way off the board. Jalen Coit from unknown to rotational receiver, rookie of the year. I am assuming we're going to go with the same guy. I will let you explain newcomer of the year. I guess we should, well, Brennan Armstrong would technically qualify, but we'll eliminate it for offense. We'll throw that out. Can't choose Brennan Armstrong. So, newcomer of the year. Yeah, I'm going with um, Kevin Concepcion. I think he's going to be um, – he's going to make an instant impact. He wowed in the spring game. Everything I've heard is that's just con- continued. I've heard he's – you know, right after the catch, he's just unguardable. He's unguardable, um, you know, and within the first 10 yards, and he's just going to be a really exciting player. He – um. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but man, he fights after the catch for those extra yards. Um, loves to break tackles, and he just plays so hard. It's something that impressed me in high school when I saw him live. Impresses me now. Um, he, he caught the eye of the coaches early when he early enrolled, and now he's um, someone who could come in and be a rare instant impact freshman for the Wolfpack. All right, let's get to uh, big time predictions here. I think this is what everybody wants. Next week on the site, we're going to go with our official win-loss record predictions that we'll save for next week. But we are going to go over and under. And the uh, it was six and a half, but Ethan, the um, who watches the Vegas Lions on his phone um, 10 hours a day, right, Ethan? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> um, Ethan had heard it may have been moved up to seven, so which yeah. seemed to make a ton more sense. I thought six and a half was insane. Like I, I'm not a gambler, and I would put money on on that. Um, I, I didn't I didn't see the logic, and 
and all the analytics who come out there, Bill Connolly, S&P Plus, all of them scream NC State seven, eight, nine wins in that range. So, so since it apparently moved to seven, over, under, or push, Ethan, on seven wins. I'm pretty comfortable still going over there. Um, you know, I think uh, it's a talented team and the schedule sets up well, which I'm assuming we'll dive into more next week. But um, just having the home games that they do um, on pretty much all of their best teams they play are at home. And I think that'll work out well. And I think I, I, I see them ending up in that eight to nine win range at the end of the regular season. Over two. Over two. I'm pretty, pretty confident. I, I like you. I like the, how the schedule sets up. I like getting Notre Dame early. Whereas mm-hmm. um, Notre Dame, what I also played two weeks, you can watch them this weekend against Navy. Um, now, they wouldn't have necessarily had two challenging games, but. Um, you still have a little bit more film on them. What game on the schedule do you think will kind of tell the, the tale, so to speak, on how this game going to um, how this season will unfold for NC State? I think it's going to be the uh, Duke game. Okay. Um, I think going on the road to, to Durham, it's not exactly a uh, an intimidating away venue in terms of the crowd, but it's going to be a good team. It's the first time they've played in a while. Um, and there's a lot of hype around, around Duke right now. There's um, I think they're a pretty up, popular upset pick um, to beat Clemson in week one, which, you know, I, I think, I think very highly of coach Elko and um, I like Riley Leonard. I don't think I like him as much as a lot of national people do at this point, but um, there's there's some talent on that team. I don't get why they're considered heads and shoulders above NC State for this season by many of the national rankings I see. Um, but you know that was a little bit of a tangent. But I think the the that game it's ah, gosh I forget which side of the Clemson game it's on, but it's um I believe it's before, before or after before. So it's before, and then you go into the bye week, correct? Yeah. So that kind of caps that first half of the season. And um, I think if they go and win that and uh, can generate some positive momentum in the Clemson, then maybe NC State's cooking with some gas there. I'm going to go a little bit before that. Louisville at home Friday, September 29th. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't think anybody's really – Especially nationally, predicting NC State to beat Notre Dame. I think the conventional wisdom is NC State should be three and one uh, going into that game against Louisville. Um, Connecticut start out the year on the road, which would be a little tougher than maybe some people expect. I'm not sure. It's like we're, we're going to get into Connecticut hardcore, folks, next week's podcast. I'm not sure this game is on the ECU level of last yeah. year, but Connecticut did have some nice home wins last year. So this isn't. You know, get off the bus, win the game, get back on the bus. You know, you don't have to play and be effective. Uh, and then you got Notre Dame, then you got VMI and Raleigh. You're going to crush VMI. And then you got rebuilding Virginia on the road. Yes, on the road, granted, but arguably, if you were the power rank the ACC teams, I'm not so sure Virginia wouldn't be a popular pick to be at the bottom of the ACC. So that sets you up to be at worst probably three and one. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a compelling reason to think that it could even be 4-0. and And you get Louisville, who's been a bit of a media darling in the ACC. They tend to be the, the popular pick of, here's the team that could be, don't be surprised if they end up being really good year one with Jeff Blom and, and apparently a very favorable schedule like Duke had last year. I agree with you on Duke of, I think there was a little bit of a mirage with what they ended up doing last year because they, not through any fault of their own, ended up playing a pretty soft schedule. Mm-hmm. But if you look at Louisville, they start the season at Georgia Tech, probably favored at Georgia Tech. They get Murray State at home. They'll win that. And they have to go to Indiana. But the Murray State game's a Thursday. So they have a few extra days to prepare for Indiana. They probably will be favored at Indiana. And then they get Boston College at home. So uh, not out of question, they'll be four and zero and potentially two and zero in the ACC. So it's kind of, kind of I think that's a, for both teams. They're kind of a crossroad type 
game. So that's the one I'm looking at. Now, last time NC State played Louisville on a midweek ESPN game, it was, it was electric. And I think you could see something similar this time. Best way if NC State had beaten Notre Dame and would be 4-0 and at that point. So um, that's my game. That's my game to watch. So we've covered a lot. And hopefully you are now uh, feel good about your NC State football knowledge. If you didn't already, we appreciate you listening for this long. Um, just a few reminders. Take advantage of that deal. 50% off one year at thewolfpacker.com. Uh, I think it's a, it's a quick sale. I don't know exactly how long it's going to last. So do it now. Don't, don't assume it's going to be around much longer. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, everything at The Wolf Packers. You can follow Ethan at Ethan M. McDowell. I think I misspoke last week when I said his Twitter handle is not two Ds. I meant to say two Ls. So <laughs> Ethan M. McDowell uh, on Twitter. Um, remember, please uh, follow us wherever um, and rate us if you would be so kind on all your wherever you may listen to download your podcast and if you're on youtube be sure to give us a follow so for ethan i'm matt this has been the wolf show